Hey, I'm Beth Herbrock, and you're listening to the Good Folk Podcast. This podcast will dive into the lives of some of the talented folks that make our Good Folk Supper Clubs truly magic. Good Folk Supper Club is a pop-up dining experience in the Garden State, where at the heart of it, we're all about good food with good folk for a good cause. Come join us. Special thanks to our producer, Ming Chen, of A Shared Universe Podcast Studio. Hello. Hello. I have the distinct pleasure of sitting down with one of the grand dames of New Jersey's coastal culinary scene, Marilyn Schlossbeck. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Basically to your boardwalk. Welcome to your place. (laughs) We are presently recording our podcast on the Asbury Park boardwalk. And even though it is a soggy, drizzly day, it's still one of the most gorgeous places, I think, in all the East Coast. So we're lucky ducks. Um, For anyone who has been living under a rock in the Garden State, or for any of our listeners outside of New Jersey who are not yet familiar with today's guest, Marilyn Schlossbeck is the executive chef and owner of the Marilyn Schlossbeck Group, founded in 2008, that includes Langosta Lounge, Pops Garage, Asbury Park Yacht Club, and Marilyn Schlossbeck Catering and Events. She also manages Food for Thought by the Sea, a non-for-profit food truck, in addition to volunteering at a local summer surf camp and supporting Kula Cafe and Interfaith Neighbors, another outstanding local nonprofit in Asbury Park. Those, those guys are fantastic. Marilyn, you have so many exciting new projects that I cannot wait to ask you about. But before we dive into all those details, can you share a little bit about your background and what led you to where you are today? Okay, let's um, do the abridged Marilyn Sloshback life story. <laughs> How um, much time do we have? <laughs> so, um, I grew up in a, in the area, Belmar, New Jersey. Went to private school, ended up at Asbury Park High School for my final year. Um, during that time, my mother went through some major mental health challenges as well as uh, a very long cancer road back in the 80s, which was a different time for treatment and wellness and mental health. So about the age of 16, 17, we knew that things were going to progress with her. She um, was very resistant to treatment and health and wellness. She smoked, she drank. Um, We took her to the Michaud Cushy Foundation up in Massachusetts and put her on a very extensive macrobiotic diet. So in that, being an 80s child, so I grew up with the whole transformation of yellow cheese and Doritos and Diet Coke and quite honestly suffered from migraines and just weird health things as a younger person, which I 100% attribute to all of that. Um, newfound ease of eating in America. Um, My mother's transformation into health, she went from 30 days of life expectancy to a full year of remission. And it changed the way I looked at food. Um, It launched me into a culinary search. Uh, I also come from a family of overachievers. My father's brothers were... um, 
I always said they were one of every category. There was a judge, there was an actor, there was an explorer, there was a real estate person. So Father, they, doctor, lawyer, yeah. what everybody needs, a little bit of everything. And my mother was an artist and my brother was an artist and I was like, what am I? So I struggled with that um, as a kid. I always did a lot of things, but none of them, not well, but I wasn't like ignited to have a passion in anything. And one night I ended up in a kitchen at my brother's restaurant in Avon, New Jersey. It was called Oshin, which was a famous Japanese soap opera star at the time. And we named it after her, or he named it after her. And he was in New York and in New Jersey at the time, and he was opening a restaurant for a friend up there. And the chef didn't show up for work that weekend. Happened to be a holiday weekend, and we had no other chef. And I was a waitress there. I was 18. So um, I called him, and I told him what was going on. And he's like, well, you know what the food looks like. Why don't you do it? And one thing about not being trained in anything and having a naivety about life is that I was like, okay, sure. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. And powerful. The huge, what I remember of the evening, because I knew, you know, being a server, I knew what the food needed to look like. I had no idea how to prepare it and make it work. (laughs) But I had a huge cell phone. And that is always like the laughter in my mind was, remember when cell phones, they were portable phones, they weren't even cell phones at that point. So you had this big portable phone that was like a box. And I worked the whole night with the box on my shoulder and my brother on the other end in New York. So it was like, I I have to make teriyaki tuna. It's medium rare. When do I turn it? How do I put the lines on it? You know, how long do I cook the garlic before I add the vegetables? This is such a wild visual scene in the heat and the crazy pace of a kitchen. And you've got this boombox of of a cell phone on your... Oh, my God. I'm sweating. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and as you said, what you don't know, you don't know. So I just did it. And, you know, because to me, it was my brother's restaurant. I wasn't going to let it close for a holiday. I didn't want to lose the money for myself or my coworkers. So I just did it. And at the end of the night, I was like, this is forking awesome. Mm-hmm. I love this. I want to do this forever. I was also interviewing with um, University of Miami for my first year of college in marine biology. I wanted right to swim with dolphins and be Jacques Cousteau's assistant. I still do. Um, but they lost my transcripts at Asbury Park High School. So between my mother getting sick that weekend and the loss of the transcripts, I felt my fate was sealed to stay in Jersey. And wow. Pursue. And you were 18? This was 18? Yep. So... That's a lot that's culminating at that age. Yeah, but for me, it was an escape from what was going on with my mother. And my father died that year um, of old age. He was 30 years older than my mother. So we went on this journey with her of being well again and living life and seeing her kids be successful and grow up and do things to her husband died. And then she gave up. So within the next year, she passed as well. So it was a wild roller coaster of life that I would say culminating to those two years. And 
that career path got thrown in the middle of it. So it kind of saved me. So I was going to ask if there was a defining moment when you knew that food was what you wanted to focus on. So I don't know if it's what you knew you wanted to focus on, but what you needed to. And it was right there in front of you as a as an opportunity and a career path and a chance to work with family at the same time. Yeah, I think, you know, everybody gets asked, you know, what is the pivotal point of your life for whatever thing you're doing? I've had quite a few of them personally that led me to that moment with the big phone on my shoulder. But that was the one that said, you are also worthy of being a creator in a family of people who created all kinds of things all over the world. You know, my uncle Ike was Admiral Byrd's um, aviator when they staked the South Pole for the United States. And he was alive when I was little. He brought a penguin to my house to visit me. We had, do- you know, dogs that we would, Samoyeds, we would go visit him with. And he had an airport Neptune, which still has the flag on it across from the press. And so that kind of like being in your life, you know, he was a, a crazy guy. There's a picture of him. He looked like you, Christian, the white version of Christian. <laughs> Crazy hair, just smiling, fun. There's a picture of him in like the 1930s or 40s getting his tooth pulled in National Geographic on one of the expeditions. Um, you know, for me, it wasn't like this famous person. It was like my kooky Uncle Ike who took me flying and had a horse that walked through his living room and collected every newspaper oh, and National Geographic he ever saw. And, an incredible character. Yeah. And just, you know, I'm very lucky to have those people that made imprints on my life. So when it came time to look at, oh, my God, I'm carrying a restaurant and it's Fourth of July and I'm going to fail. I looked at it as, wow, this is so exciting and so new and interesting and I could be I could be in my passion and creative state and make an impact on the world and do something well mm-hmm. that makes me feel good, which not everybody's lucky to have happened to them. And it sounded like you had a number of key family members that were just fearless with curiosity. Yes. Um, and for our listeners, Christian is our producer. Good morning, Christian. Good morning. His hair is on fire. <laughs> um, that's There's so many things we could unpack there. I have so many questions. I also feel like I need to dig back in a lot of National Geographics now for some for some interesting early dentistry images. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a picture of that and post it. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, so with, with all of that background and, and some... Um, you've now kind of found this this courage and this path of of creating um what have you what have you learned about this industry like what what are some things that you find that you love the most now about working in in food and in hospitality oh boy um the food industry is a challenging thing to be in business in um, let's here, here. put that out there. 
and gets more challenging every time I have a, a board meeting. I'm the new chair for the New Jersey Restaurant and Hospitality Association. That was going to be mentioned. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. So I'm very privy to all of the uh, obstacles that we face as operators or chefs or food industry, bar industry people which we have an attorney who speaks at every board meeting. And when he gets up, we all go, oh, you know, <laughs> doom and gloom at the microphone. Um, because every week there's some new bill that's introduced that prevents what I find the passion of my industry, which is the creative piece of it, not just in food, but I've had to really learn how to run a business. So I've had to find creativity in Excel spreadsheets and payroll and taxes and all of these things over the years. And I try to look at it that way because if I don't find the creative piece to make me want to do that, I'm not going to run a business. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's boring to go sit down and do payroll, but how can I make it fun in that? I bought myself one of those um, ear, like it looks like a phone, an old phone, and you plug it into your computer just so that I could have fun doing payroll for three hours. I love it. You know, so I try to find the fun in whatever. The most challenging thing is the maneuvering of the people, both the customers and the staff, in what I'm finding to be a very um, generational detour from how I was raised as work ethic or commitment to things or patience and that you have to actually stay on a path for a long enough period of time to gain some knowledge. You you know, the jumping around of the younger generations now and the always searching and not finding that inner peace is and the hard. Value, the value in waiting yes. and patience, which is a hard lesson to, um, to instill, but patience. Yeah, yeah, and just knowing that where you are is where you're supposed to be. And whatever the universe has for you, this is part of that journey. Don't be so quick to dismiss it. You know, hold on and, and look for the lessons there because, you know, in my career, I've had a lot of failures, but to me, they're all successes. I've used every one of them to learn something. And, you know, my husband are, and I are very different how we look at the past. With him, it's you know, we're going to repeat it. We're going to make the same mistakes. To me, it's like, no, I'm going to learn. For, let's let's analyze it. Let's talk about it. Let's prevent it from happening the same way and be okay if there's a new mistake there. I couldn't agree more. Is there one in particular, maybe failure or lesson, as we could call it, that you could share? Well, there's a lot of them. <laughs> Maybe in the last 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, going into business with people is very challenging. You know, um, I'll just keep it to Asbury Park. How about that? Because there's a couple of them there. Sounds good. And you don't have to name names. We can, we can yeah. keep this anonymous. I don't care. Depends uh, on how political we yeah. want to get today. I'm an open book. I think, um, <laughs> you know, naming names helps people look at themselves a little bit. And if they don't have to do it in front of me, they even the better. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, you know, I've made some bad partnership or even employee relation um, decisions based on my fear of not acknowledging who I am as an individual 
and being okay with the fact that my needs need to be met first. You know, I'm a Buddhist, and for a long time, Buddhism to me meant that I had to give, 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 give. I had to take care of everybody, treat everybody like they're the most important being on the universe. And in that, I forgot that I need to be the most important being in my universe or else I'm going to run dry. And up until about two years ago, I think I made a lot of those mistakes with restaurant partners or employee relations or family. I've lost a really strong relationship with one of my brothers over the past couple of years because I felt like I can't save everybody. We have to equally come to the table in this discussion, honestly. Mm-hmm. And if one of us isn't being honest, I don't want to be the one pulling the extra 50% anymore. I so. just had this same exact conversation. We could go off air and talk for another 14 hours about this particular topic. Yeah. yeah. Everything you said one. resonates big time. Yeah. And especially, um, I think you and I are, are similar in, in a number of ways, but um, um, I am also a doer and I love collaborating and I like, and I'm very curious about people. Um, but I can't fix it all. And that is a very hard lesson. I have learned it along the way as a parent and um, as a small business owner. And it's, it's yeah, that's a challenging one when people don't want to um, either rise to um, the challenge or, yeah, you just, you can't, you can't save people if, if they don't want to be saved. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, it's a struggle. Honestly, I I'm surprised it. it took me so long to figure that out. I'm, pretty much a late bloomer on some of the things in my life. You know, my mother was an alcoholic, but her alcoholism came out of a nervous breakdown. And I was at a critical time in my life, seven, eight, nine, when all of this was happening. And, you know, that need to fix that relationship for me kept popping up my whole career with employees, with family members, with friends, that the harder it was to maneuver in that relationship, the more I wanted to stay there and make it work. And I still struggle with that with the person in my life. And it doesn't stem from that we are compatible. It stems from me wanting that relationship with my mother to heal. But about maybe a year ago, because of a very intense work breakup. I started doing EMDR. I started seeing a couple different therapists, um, developed a strong mastermind group, became involved and connected to different people that, like you, that I've looked at and admired for years. Now, finally, I get to sit with you and chat. And that took getting over the fear of myself. Like, I deserve to be at this table in the conversation. I have value because I'm not afraid of that anymore. I'm not afraid to collaborate. I'm not afraid to not be the only one in the room. I I am seen now in my own self where I used to feel invisible and always putting myself out there mm. in weird mm-hmm. ways. And giving and giving and giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was I was gonna ask um later, but we're kind of touching upon it right now. Um 
you have a lot of balls in the air. You have a lot of projects that you are involved in. You have your your hands and Lord knows what your mind is always cooking up because you have you have got lots going on. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you were recently named um, chairwoman of New Jersey Restaurant and Hospitality Association. Congratulations again. Yeah. This um, past year, 2019, and even just a few months in in 2020, you have you have accomplished a lot and I know are working on even more projects. Um, there is the publication of your first cookbook, Feed This Community, 11 chapters for 11 charities. You have a wellness supplement company, Wave of Balance, Mortiga. Am I saying that correct? Moringa. Moringa. I butched it. <laughs> Everybody needs Wave to take it. <laughs> of Balance, Moringa. Um, in addition to a new wine endeavor, saltwater wine, and you are moving into a new, very creative, very kick-ass space in Long Branch that um, maybe you can share a little bit more about. But um, you talked a little bit about some of the lessons that you've learned I'm I'm a little curious too if you can share a little more about the behind the scenes. You are married, you mentioned, to um, a really fantastic local artist, Scott Sagaski. Yep. Oh my god, there's so many words, <laughs> so much coffee, and I'm like tongue tied and stumbling over all of it. Scott's amazing. His art is fantastic, um, and you are both raising twin girls. Um, so I can imagine if your home life is anything like mine, you are far from boring. <laughs> um, when you feel like things are out of control or when you feel like you might have one too many balls up in the air, what keeps you grounded? Is it your Buddhism beliefs? Is it these um, individuals that you have kind of you know cultivated and, and brought into your life recently? Or do you have any secrets that you want to share? What keeps you grounded? What do you turn to? Well, I turn to different things at different times, um, some of them harder than others. I mean, all of these things I do put time restraints on my life, especially, you know, when you have kids and all of a sudden you're on a good path, they're going to school, they're doing their thing, and then one gets sick. And then it's like, are you too sick to come to work and drive all over with me and come to a podcast or do whatever I have to do? Or do we have to figure out how to stay home with you? That's a big one for me and a tough one to do. I had kids in my late 40s. So, you know, I, I'm a more intelligently mature mother in my relation to motherhood, period, mm. especially to my kids, which is challenging for me. Um, they're teaching me a lot of lessons about how to... Um, maneuver through life, which mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for. Um, I meditate and that is to me like almost like going to the gym, like, Ugh, I'm going to sit down and meditate. But how I feel five minutes later, and it's only five minutes, is amazing. And that's really hard to do to find five minutes, you know. It, it seems like your biggest challenge is time. I would argue that everyone's not biggest challenge, it's also the biggest gift, yeah. but time. I mean, right? and time is an excuse, you mm -hmm. know, come on, what's five minutes? You mm -hmm. know, I could sit on the toilet and meditate for five minutes. It's that choice of get what something you, else done. Right. You, you know, know, one of one of the quotes somewhere was, you know, well, well, Beyonce has 24 hours in the day, too. Right. Yeah. Like everyone. But what you do with that time. So, yes. You know, is it that hard to find five minutes? It depends. Sometimes it is sometimes, you know, but but where do you choose to um, carve out that time? And for what is yeah. it for yourself or always giving to someone else and 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 figuring out that 24 hours every day. Figuring out what, you know, I say to my staff all the time, we have to work on the root, not the leaves. The leaves will be green and they will flourish, 
But if we're only spraying the leaves and tackling those little things, the roots will never get what they need. And I have made a conscious effort because of some of the major shifts in some very difficult situations over the last couple of years to concentrate on that root of myself. You know, I can go to the gym, I could lose 20 pounds, which I honestly want to do, but is that going to fix my root? The mindfulness, the meditation has been the biggest powerhouse of shifting me and creating less anxiety or less chaos in my mind throughout the day because the stuff keeps coming at me all day from all directions. It's a year ago, I handled that differently. Mm. Two years ago, even different from that. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, if I had to tell anybody, there's a book out, like One Minute for Yourself or something. It's literally, you can read it in 20 minutes. Powerful. I don't commit to an hour of meditation or 10 minutes. I commit to five because my brain starts to feel guilty after five that I'm not doing more. I want to just, maybe I'll get to 10, maybe I'll get to 20, but right now five is really doing wonders for me in my day. Right on. I was going to ask if there is um, something that you wish you had known when you started out in this, but maybe that, maybe the, those are the lessons that you're kind of learning right now. Yeah. I mean, I think the lesson, uh, you know, I got this book, um, Zen is F-U-C-K. I don't know if I can say that <laughs> word on here. <laughs> from a friend. Um, and sometimes I feel like that, like, just get over yourself already. Just like it, everybody's got something. Everybody's weighted down by their own stuff. This isn't stuff that people are creating for me. This is something I'm using them to keep propagating in myself. So whatever my relationships are, they're with me none of this other crap really matters. So if I don't work on that part and get that one under control, I'm just going to keep whirling around in effed up relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? And it's funny how it shows up now with employees, how quickly they, they realize they're not fitting in with us because we used to be a place where you could kind of hide in all of your issues and chaos because we were chaotic. Now it's like, I'm like, wow, I thought that might take six months to filter that person out of here. But it happens so quickly because they feel our energy of being stronger and there's no tolerance for their nonsense in it. Which is good on both sides, right? Yeah. If it's not a good fit for you and it's not a good fit for them, then that's another door that is open for them and for you, for yeah. yeah, finding a better fit, a different family, a different community. And we all have a place we belong. Absolutely. And, you yep. know, I had an employee the other day up in the new venture say to me, well, you know, I'm, I stuck it out till you got here and I wanted to stay, be, but I heard that you're really difficult to work with and people don't like working for you. And I said, well, they're the wrong people then for me. And you might be the wrong person for me too, but you could be the right person for That's someone up to else. You, not me. Yeah. Uh, Which is also excellent dating advice. Can we just change this whole podcast? Yeah. This is now dating advice. I want to call my sisters. <laughs> I have some thoughts for you. 
they'll be good for someone else, but maybe not for you. Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, true. It I can resonate they... in so many different parts of life. And well, that's maturity. It. I mean, when you're young, you think you have so much time. We're and... so old, Marilyn. We're so mature and wise. Well, I think, you know, <laughs> Scott's uncle, he's Australian. We went to visit them a few years back and he's in his late seventies and he's just an amazing guy. He raised five kids on a 48 foot sailboat and went around the world and built the boat himself. And he said to me, you know, you're, you're much younger than me, Marilyn. You know, I'm in my seventies. And to me, time is like a third of what it is for you. So, you know, I don't waste it. I'm mm. not going to spend my time doing things that maybe 50 years ago didn't matter. And mm. I look at it that way now, like, especially having kids, like, I know that I'm not a young mother. Mm. You know, I'm looking forward to 65 so I get all the perks, but it's not <laughs> that far around the corner. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to waste my time anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The same things aren't resonating with me as they did when I felt like I was invincible and the world was here forever. Mm-hmm. You know? And you've, you have interesting influence too. I love that you and your husband, Scott, come from a long line of very lazy, boring individuals. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh my God. I feel like there's a million stories to be shared by family members alone. Yeah. That's, 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 a, that's your own podcast. That's I amazing. Think, I think he wants to be a lazy, oh boring God. individual. <laughs> well, <laughs> he that's doesn't where have the way for that. I, well, I, I do, um, I wonder, based on, um, you know, brief conversations that I've had in the past, and um, again, you can dive into this or not, um, your, you know, kind of feelings and thoughts about working um, where you are in New Jersey. And one of my questions is always kind of, why New Jersey? Why are you here? And I know that I have, you know, had um, chats with you in the past and you're like, I'm I'm out. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm done. I want to be on a hammock. I want to be on another beach somewhere else. I'm done. But you're not done because you're still here and you have a lot of new, exciting, interesting things that are that are coming up this year. Why? Why New Jersey? I still can't answer that question. <laughs> um, I'm not a big fan, honestly. Um You know, I love spring and fall here and, you know, I love making the money I make in the summer. Um, But there's a large part of the year that I'm wishing away every year. And that's my search to find something else. I think part of being here is just the comfort in what I know Mm. and having a network of people to get things done. You know, but Scott says it all the time. Don't be scared of giving up where you are, because I think your spirit's going to you know, wherever we're at, you're going to be starting some new thing or doing, getting involved in some nonprofit or, you Is know. he born and raised in New Jersey as well? He is. And okay. his mother's here. So that's been a, a large part of it. So you both have it. roots here. You know, I don't have as many mm-hmm. um, that aren't work committed, you know, um, and we've talked about leaving here. I just don't, I'm, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm finally saying that to myself. Mm-hmm what's keeping me here and why, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. So two years ago, went through some bad stuff, really depressed me physically and mentally and made me void of creativity altogether. But once I healed some of that, it was like I opened the floodgates and all of a sudden all these things came at me. And I happened to be going through this podcast 
this um, meditation, Deepak Chopra, um, 21 days, and he talks about synchro destiny. So that week I made a mala with our mala organization, Malas on a Mission that we do. And my, my affirmation was synchro destiny. And I said, everything I'm doing going forward has to have a synchronization. Synchronization. If a challenge comes up for Long Branch or Asbury or a kid's school or travel, like I'm going to back off. If it's moving forward, you know, obviously there's some effort in everything, but not trying to overcome obstacles for the wrong reason. Hmm. You know, there's things you have to do in business that are always obstacles, money, um, rules, regulations, laws, mm -hmm. but people also get in the way. And that's what I started looking at. And in the last year, I made such amazing business connections hmm. that um, I never would have, like people out of nowhere that I never even met that now are investing in me and partnering with me and wanting to have my knowledge. And, and some of that could also be um, you getting in your own way. Because I've yeah. noticed that too in different times of you know either either growth or fear or, or choices that I've made and you know um, yes sometimes it is actual people in your life and sometimes you're that people in your life that are holding you back from yeah all those other new connections and possibilities so yeah and sometimes it's just the universe mm -hmm. you know I also did um, two astrological sessions this year one with a guy named. Um, Brenton Fechner that's out of Chopra Center. He does Ayurvedic astrology, so an Indian platform. And then I did one with this woman, Alice, who does the more American version of astrology. They're very different in how they read the planets and their interaction with you at the time of your birth. But both of them said the same thing, that I am not going to come into my own till I'm in my 50s. Like everything I've done has led to now and don't feel like all of that wasn't important, but also have patience that it's just beginning for me. And so that's exciting. It is. Oh and, my it, gosh. and it honestly calms me because I felt my whole life like I just was struggling towards something and yeah. never able to hmm. get not get a thing, but get that feeling in your like throat chakra where mm -hmm. you just don't feel stuck anymore. And I feel that. And I just have to be careful because that's powerful. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to alienate things that have gotten me here and are good for me. I want to heal those things and keep myself open to what comes next. But I love that they gave you the feedback that it's that the 50s is your growth instead of a... It was your 20s. That was it. Yeah, so uh, good over. luck. You got nothing else. You've, you've done it all. There's nothing more for you. You're on your third life and it's over. <laughs> You're like, I need another session. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty rad. Yeah. Um, what, um, where do you look for inspiration? I know that you are a big environmentalist. You are um, a very big um, community builder and, and collaborator. Where do you, is it just different places, different times or Maybe right now, where are you looking for inspiration? I have to travel. You know, I've done it my whole life. Um, I've felt guilty about it at times. You know, you, bank accounts are low. You can't cash your paycheck, but you're going on a surf trip. Um, but I have to. 
I get inspiration from seeing other culture. And we know we never travel. We never go to like the Ritz Carlton or like we rent a house or we stay in a very um, community oriented place. We never go to big cities or big tourist destinations. Although I just got back from Disney. So <laughs> we'll just take that four days out of my life. <laughs> um, it, it, it taught me a lot. <laughs> There's a lot of an- anthropological studies it's, one can yeah, do at Disney. Yes. It's, it's, it's not for naught. Yes. It's a cattle call. It, it, it's a, you know, I felt a little bit like a cow, but, <laughs> but that's okay. It's amazing. You have to have perspective, yeah, and appreciation, and a and, sense of humor, yeah. And to do that, you have if to. If you put travel, yourself. you have to. I believe, at least for me, I have to have a sense of humor. Yeah, you have to go with the flow, you know. Especially the way we travel, you know. We're going away with some friends this week. First time we're traveling with them, and I'm with like, kids, with the with girls, kids, different uh-huh. age kids. Um, I said, you know, just be prepared to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Then everything else. Will be a we'll good surprise. Out of that. But if you think this is going to be some magical fix to something you need this week, uh, oh boy, <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for that. <laughs> so. I feel like you and Scott should also say that to yourselves. You just be prepared yes. for what you know, patience and a sense of humor. As right? long as I have blue water and sunshine and hopefully a good cocktail in my hand, I will be fine. I travel with a deck of cards now because I can't always be guaranteed that there's even sunshine. I have traveled and we have arrived at destination for a week and it is just like I'm looking outside right now, gray and rain. So I'm like, I travel with cards to at least be like, go fish. We bring, yeah, we bring Uno (laughs) and go fish. Like at least we've got that because, you know, my God, travel with kids, yet another podcast is a lot of hurry up and wait. You have no idea what is going to happen. Well, I'm lucky my kids are great beach people. Awesome. They are very difficult to deal with in every other setting of our life, but on the beach, it's just a free feeling for all of us. And then so. Maybe that's one of the reasons why you are still here. Yeah. Because you're on a beach. Yeah. I have a great view. You know, it's an expensive one. But... Oh, Miami. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are so many things that I, I want to know and ask you about your business, but we will just include um, links to all of those great things in the show notes and just ask everyone to um, pay attention and, and stay tuned and look out for you in all the different ways. Um, be patient. And be patient <laughs> and have a sense of humor. We can't make everything wonderful overnight. I am thrilled that you and I are going to be working together on a separate club at the end of this month. We are in February 2020, um, as well as a very fun event. I am declaring it to be very fun Um, in March where we get to celebrate Good Folks Supper Club's fifth year and also um, celebrate and kind of break that bottle of champagne on on a new big project that you are going to be a part of um, in a really killer space in Long Branch. So I'm excited. I'm really excited. I've always wanted to do stuff with you oh. and I feel like now I get to do like two months of back to back to back it's gonna be great back to back Beth that's gonna be my other podcast I have so many ideas this morning <laughs> coffee, coffee's working <laughs> oh, it's working um, where can people find out more about you um, they can go to Marilyn.kitchen which is the website that links you to everything I do um, social media social media Marilyn Sloshback Ocean Girl is my handle on a lot of stuff. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, a couple pages on Instagram and Facebook. And 
Um, I post more than I interact, so don't get mad at me if I don't get back to you for a month. <laughs> she has a lot to say. She has a lot to say. She's got a lot that um, we are so thrilled that you're involved with. So thank you for all that you do. The Ocean says thank you as well. And if Asbury Park hasn't yet, they should. And um, yeah, we're just... I say we because it's a collective thank you for all the things that you do and continue to do. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Good Folk Podcast. Be sure to subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to follow us on social media at Good Folk Supper Club. Don't forget to check out our website at goodfolksupperclub.com for information about upcoming dinner events.